10 years. Christy, congrats. Double digits, good for you. A celebration of life over death. And, uh, you know, if you're new or fairly new to Alcoholics Anonymous, I'd like to welcome you. And uh, you just might be in the right place. It's like uh, one of my sponsors, Don, used to always say, you know, if you got a drinking problem, this is a good place to be. And uh, that problem's been removed from me since uh, for a very long time. And, uh, you know, I, I've got a thinking problem, though, and that's the reason I'm here right now. And that's the reason I stay active in and a part of Alcoholics Anonymous. I can honestly tell you that I get an A because most of the time uh, God and Alcoholics Anonymous are the most important thing in my life. And uh, some may find that hard to believe. You know, I, I do have slips sometimes. <laughs> However, you know, I, I always tell my guys, you know, you've tapped into a power that has no limits. And what you're going to do with that is will determine your future and uh, the trajectory of your life. You know, this gift that was given to me a long time ago means nothing unless I take it and use it to do some good. And uh, my life in Alcoholics Anonymous is good, but it surely it hasn't been trouble-free by no means. I've had a lot of stuff happen. If you stay sober a long time, a lot of stuff's going to happen, good and bad. And uh, But what I've learned is that power I tapped into, it has no limits, and it'll get me through whatever I need to get through. And uh, I need to reflect on when, uh, you know, I can, I can tell you that the worst times in my life have been the most amount of growth I've ever experienced in my life. And it sure as hell didn't feel like it when it was going on. But uh, when I got to the other side, uh, there's always been a lesson in it and always been some more experience that I can add to my set of spiritual tools to use to help somebody else. And not to sit and whine about what happened to me or you know, wish it had been different. I can't change the course of my life, but I can surely change the way I look at it. Maybe even have to do some inventory work and find out the truth. You know, I. I'm on my fourth sponsor. Les is my sponsor. He's a good man. And, uh, you know, all the other guys are up at the big meeting. It's not the way I want it or that I liked it. But, you know, God does things for a reason. And I promise you, he lays people in my path that unmistakably was a divine intervention. Every time from the Tuesday when I rolled into the 502 Club in, in 1988 to me standing here tonight. You know, and uh, that, that, that I know for sure. And I need to keep my eye on the ball. And that means that I'm shooting at a target to gain spiritual growth. That's what my life's all about. It's crazy. And that means that regardless of, you know, how happy my wife or my family is, uh, how much money's in my bank account, whether my employees are behaving or whatever's going in my life, my goal is to tap into that power and continue to keep my eye on the ball. And if I'm doing that, the rest of it's a cakewalk. And uh, I, I didn't even know. I mean, I've been in spiritual kindergarten for many, many years. I have a lot to learn. You know, I... I tapped into a power that has no limit. I'm only the conduit. I'm a pipe coming out of the lake, and I got to stay connected to the lake. If I don't, I'll dry up, you know. And I've seen it happen again and again and again. I know people that are 30 and 40 years sober, and I got to tell you, they're fine examples to me of what not to do. And uh, I, I, I would hope and pray that I never, I never let go of this gift that's been given to me. You know, uh, my life is uh, huge. I mean, there's a lot of really good things going on. And uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. I, I uh, put down my dog of 15 years two nights ago, you know, and 15 minutes later I was sitting in the men's stag because I know where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, we got a grandson in Texas right now that is doing really bad. He's 29 years old and he, I guess he drank too much. But uh, 
His liver's failing. On the way over here, they just told us, hey, if you guys want to see him, the doctors say to get out here, you know? So, you know, my life's not problem free, but, uh, you know, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Something, something happened to me a long time ago. You know, I, I learned how to calm down a little bit, which is hard for a guy like me. And I learned how to be a guy that tries to love, you know? And when I sit back and I do that, I get to look around me and I'm surrounded by immense amount of love and people that care for me. You know, I had a very hard time accepting that when I was uh, even up to five or six years ago. But when the cards are on the table and stuff's going on around you that, you know, the stuff kind of stuff that you always used to think, what would it take to get me loaded, you know? And that stuff's right in your face and it's happening, you know, uh, that's where the Fellowship Alcoholics Anonymous saved my ass. And uh, <laughs> I can tell you right now that uh, God dropped people in my path. I would have had to fall over them if I didn't know any better. But uh, thank God my eyes were wide open enough that, you know, I, I was able to uh, accept help and, and do more work. You know, this whole journey in Alcoholics Anonymous has been about doing a, doing a lot of work that I didn't always want to do. It's been about driving places I, did, I didn't want to do things. I, I don't want to get suited up and drive an hour and a half to go to a meeting and, you know, go, go yak at a meeting or, you know, go pick up some guy that I don't even like to go through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous with him or all the things I've done, regardless of how I felt, because somebody probably felt like that when they met me, too, you know. And I was blessed when I walked in on a Tuesday night. I, I was dropped into a hot bed of Alcoholics Anonymous with a bunch of men who were doing the deal and, uh, I was desperate and defeated enough that I jumped in their back pocket and uh, I did things I didn't want to do, you know? Mop the floor on Friday night. I remember my grandpa sponsored this little guy named Harvey walking across the floor Friday night with a mop in his hand and I thought, that prick thinks I'm going to mop this floor, I'm going to break the mop over his head. He should know who I am. And when he, he said, hey kid, they're moving the chairs, you can start mopping over there. I said, yes sir, instead. And my life began to change. And you know, I can tell you that Doing those things, being accountable, doing the things I said I was going to do, being the places I said I was going to be, and continuing to do that for a long time now, uh, uh, I learned how to be there for my family when I need to be there. You know, I learned how to be a father to my children, and uh, I need to be a good guy that was going to do what he said he was going to do. And that's not like me. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm a selfish person. And I want more for me as quick as I can get it. But I know for sure, the more I give, the more I get. And so, by the fine examples that have walked before me, you know, I always wondered how are these guys so happy? You know, when I was new, I thought they were like, you know, smoking the bong on the side or something, right? That wasn't it. They had tapped into a power that I didn't understand when I was new. And watching that power work in their lives and the things they did with that power, you know, uh, that's what changed my life. And, you know, the longer I'm here, the more I need to be here and the, the more I know that I have a lot to learn. And, uh, you know, we've been, I've been to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings all over the world. You know, I've, I got sober and my life took off like a rocket ship. You know, I mean, crazy. You know, and my first sponsor, George, used to always tell me, you know, how lucky I was because I came to Alcoholics Anonymous defeated beat down, my scorecard read zero. And uh, he kept telling me it'd be harder later, 
how could it be any worse than this? And the truth was, by the time I was six or seven years sober, you know, I had all kinds of shiny crap, a beautiful wife, money in the bank, my business was rolling, everything was good. And uh, I was still active in Alcoholics Anonymous, but my priorities began to change. And uh, I got beat down one more time. And uh, he looked at me and he laughed and told me, he said, I told you it'd be harder later. And he said, because there's one thing worse for an alcoholic than bad fortune, and it's good fortune. And you've been very blessed in Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, so I learned how to get back to basics. And it was one of the first lessons I learned on a series of surrenders that were going to occur across my life. But as long as I stay defeated and uh, continue to chase the target, which I believe is spiritual growth, that my life would improve. And I could sit back with the fruits of Alcoholics Anonymous sitting in my life is the love and the beauty that surrounds me. But more than that, being able to be the part of so many different guys' lives, you know, and watch their life flourish. You know, a guy who was sleeping in the bushes, who's, you know, a productive member of society, people that's lives were completely thrashed, you know, and they're productive members of society. And, you know, I live in a house that uh, God and AA built that house, I believe, and it's God's house. And, and uh, I'm blessed to have a gal, you know, I met her when I had a, nine months of sobriety and she had 35 days. She told me that she had uh, 60 days or some crap. And I told her I had 11 months and it's like, really? I, you know, I'm trying to convince my sponsor I met this beautiful girl and he wouldn't even answer me, you know? And then I told him God sent her to me and he told me God's not a pimp and started laughing at me. And then he asked me where she lived. I said, she lives in La Cunada. She goes to those meetings of that Dunsmore, the oldest club this side of the Mississippi. He said, isn't that an hour away? I said, yeah. He said, good for her. So I knew I needed to start dating her right away. First time I heard her story and she was talking about running naked through the Redwood Forest up north, I, I knew she was gonna be my girl. <laughs> so we grew up in Alcoholics Anonymous together and uh, we got a good life. We got a real good life, you know, and uh, I need to remember that when I think it isn't a good life. And I need to surround myself with love and people that remind me of how damn good I have it. And uh, you know, I got relationship with people that mean so much to me now, it's hard to even express, but it took work. It took work. And it takes the willingness to be willing to do that work going forward. This guy's got this thing about writing. I don't know what it is, but you know what? <laughs> Save my butt, you know? And, and that's the way I grew up in Alcoholics Anonymous. I, I can't be stagnant. I gotta continue to grow. And so, uh, you know, it's good to be here tonight and good to be sober. And thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. For, thank you, Bob. And now let's bring in Lynn. See the rest of the story. Oh, Give it up. Hi everybody, my name is Lynn. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Lynn. Can you hear me all right? Yep. Okay. You can, you I just it. want to congratulate first and foremost Rachel, 90 days. It is Rachel, right? Yes. Right on. And 90 days, 90 days is that's that's probably the hardest 90 days you'll ever do if you keep coming back and one day at a time. Congratulations. And 10 years from being homeless to being having a thriving full life. There you are, Christy. 
Happy birthday. My sobriety date is January 20th, 1989. And I did, in fact, get sober at Dunsmore in La Crescenta. And my sponsor, Lynn, is still up there in La Cañada. And she's been my sponsor from the very beginning. So it's two Lynn's. I'm Lynn B and she's Lynn R. And um, I'm a very lucky, lucky, lucky girl to have the same sponsor throughout my, my sobriety. And we had, we've been talking a lot lately and uh, we, we had a talk this afternoon as well. And we're close, no secrets between us. And, um, and that was, that's a, that's a different thing right there. <laughs> I used to, I was a good actress. As long as I was polished on the outside, you wouldn't have to ask questions and I wouldn't have to tell you anything. And, um, and I, I kept that facade through for the longest time. And it, it was, it wasn't until I got sober and I, uh, I actually, I was surrendering. I was in the midst of a surrender after three years of trying to not drink myself. And that was unsuccessful. And uh, so I was in rehab and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but I was in rehab and, um, and I had just surrendered to, uh, to God. I, I said, okay, God, you made me this thing. What do you want me to do? And I laid there defeated. And I got up and it, as I was laying there, defeated, I heard this voice that said, follow those people. And I knew that voice meant you. I had been to, I had visited AA meetings throughout those three years, but I, I'm, I'm not a joiner, <laughs> you know. I, uh, I thought I could do it myself. A lot of pride, a lot of denial. And, um, you know, I guess that's an ingredient for being an alcoholic right there, right? But, um, but after, after that voice said, follow those people, I opened up that big book to chapter five and it says, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot be, who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And I looked at that and I looked at my history, my way of behavior, and I, I thought, oh gosh, I'm not sure if I can even be honest with myself because by that time I had told myself so many lies about myself, that I was better than you, that I was this, that I was that, that you know I was a good employee, I, was, I still made it to work, I, you know, my first meeting, I went to an AA meeting in Burbank and, um, and I walked there and I was wearing a suit just like I am tonight, except I had matching uh, high heels. Today, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's more practical. Anyway, <laughs> I, uh, I walk in there and they ask me if I'm, I'm the speaker and I'm going, yep, I'm way better than you guys. And <laughs> so I just, I just thought that I could do this myself and I couldn't. The thing is, is an alcoholic is constitutionally incapable of number one, being fully aware of the condition that they are in when they're in it. And number two, um, 
we're we're uh we have a thing called denial a big huge thing called denial that tells us we're not that bad and today today is a hard one bob i mean this last few weeks has been a hard one hard our um our loving dog has uh has been with us for the last 15 years and oh i god that dog was my whole life until two days ago and um and so i had to deal deal with that and my grandson who was i was so grateful when he was born because i had four years of sobriety and when my daughter called me at two o'clock in the morning and said, Mom, it's time. I'm in Palm Springs and we're gonna have a baby. And I was able to get up and get out of bed and drive all the way to Palm Springs in the middle of the night because I was sober and I was well rested. And I was so grateful to be able to be there for the birth of my first grandchild. Thank you. Well, that first grandchild is now in the hospital and on the way here, he's been in the hospital for two weeks from acute alcoholism. And they've been trying to keep him alive, pumping his stomach, pumping, you know, his, his, uh, his liver is gone. He needs a transplant. But of course, he didn't have good insurance and also, you don't get transplants when you're an alcoholic. You have to wait until you're six months sober. Well, it's a little late for that, isn't it? And uh, his kidneys are shutting down because his liver is not working. And on the way here tonight, I got a text from my daughter in Texas telling me that the doctors just told his parents, my daughter and her husband, that his organs have shut down and it's just a matter of time. This disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. It was to me and it, and it is to probably all of us. My family just happens to have a real strong streak of denial. Everything's okay, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah, thank God I got here before it was too late. And now I get to share my experience, strength and hope as best I can with those who want this thing. And if you're here tonight, hopefully you want this thing. And if you want it that bad today and you wanna stay sober, get active, get active in Alcoholics Anonymous. You see Tina running around, bringing all, making cakes and everything. You see these guys making burgers. You see all these people being of service, getting active. Whether you're, I mean, my first meeting that I went to at Dunsmore, um, they came up to me right after the meeting and they said, hey, do you wanna stay sober? And I said, yeah. And they said, okay, pick up all the coffee cups bring them into the kitchen, we're gonna wash them and dry them and put them away. That was how I stayed sober that night. And I, after we were done washing the dishes, they said, hey, do you wanna go have coffee with us? Sure, 
I went and had coffee with him. What did I do the next night? The same thing. What did I do the next night? The same thing. Because those guys wrapped themselves around me, surrounded me, and that's what we do in Alcoholics Anonymous. We just jump into the middle of the pack, and if you're standing there and you say you want to be sober, we'll bring you in. Yeah, we will. Anyway, um, my story goes kind of like this. My husband was talking about me running around the, <laughs> the redwoods naked. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I did. Um, I tuned in, dropped out, and, uh, and I was, you know, I, I was, I, I came of age in the, in the uh, 60s, and, um, and in 1969, um, I, I started experimenting with, with uh, substances. First it was marijuana, then it was LSD, then it was everything else you could think of under the sun. And it wasn't, it was actually not until I was 27 years old that I accidentally um, had wine was what it was because my ex-husband was a drug dealer and all of them were, they were, it was all drugs. And so I, you know, that's what I did. And, um, and so it wasn't until I got a job at a, uh, you know, I was a little natural foods hippie. So I got a job at the natural foods restaurant and they had natural wines and they wanted me to taste the wines. And so that first shift, every time I went back into the kitchen, they had another glass of wine for me to taste. And this was up in Northern California. So, you know, it's the best wine ever. And so I'm tasting it and I'm like, ah, that's good, that's good, that's good. And um, I get in my car after that first shift and I'm driving and I'm like, whoa, this is nice. I'm not afraid of the cars on the road anymore. And my driving skills are so much smoother and I'm doing such a, such a good job. I like this stuff. I think I'll use this stuff more often and I became a wine connoisseur and uh and you know i was i was getting bottles of of all the from the different wineries my i ended up having a favorite it was robert mandavi and i was married at the time i had two kids my kids were little little ones uh let's see five and three i think is how old they were anyway um they were young and um and i you know, I had my job, and the reason I got the job was because I wanted to go to school. So I was going to school, having that job, um, serving serving at the natural foods restaurant, and um, my ex-husband. And then after work, I would I would have wine with my coworkers and have fun and everything. And my ex-husband thought I was having an affair, and I said, No, I'm not having an affair. But looking back, yeah, I was having an affair with Robert Mandavi. And, and, um, and I didn't know it because we're the last ones to know, right? But, um, but I, you know, I was going through, through bottles of wine and um, not to take the story too far into the depths of, of, of the craziness, but um, about... A year after that, 
I had a my I I had my first blackout, but of course I decided everybody was lying about me because they didn't like me or whatever. And so I started doing the geographics. You know, I w had moved out to Sun Valley, Idaho. I moved back to Northern California. And uh, and the black blackouts. I was a quick one. I fell quick. Um, the blackouts were were frequent, and. Um, and I kept, I was kept getting more and more confused. You know, why are these people saying stuff like this about me? I don't do that stuff. I don't do those ugly things that they're saying I'm doing. And why are they doing that? And, and uh, you know, the things that I was doing, I didn't find out until I did my first fourth step in, in Alcoholics Anonymous that I actually did do that in a blackout, or at least it was possible that I did that in a blackout. And uh, let's just suffice it to say I was not feeding the homeless in those blackouts. I was, uh, I was not acting like a lady or the kind of lady that I wanted to be anyway. And, um, and so I continued that, um, that path. I was a musician too. And uh, you know, it was, it was really weird. I would, I was 17 years sober and we have a house down in Cabo San Lucas area and I was my neighbors wanted me to do karaoke and so I was playing I was singing karaoke at the at the local place and um and this guy comes up to me and he goes Lynn and I said yeah I went oh my gosh and I was a friend of mine that I knew back in the day up in Northern California and I said, oh, it's so good to see you. I haven't seen, you know, it's, I'm 17 years sober now. And he said, oh, that's a good thing. And I said, <laughs> I said, why? And he says, I'll never forget. I went to one of your gigs and you're up on stage singing and you get down off stage and you come to me and you say, get me to some cocaine right now. And <laughs> so I walked off the stage right in the middle of a gig. I don't even remember it. But uh, those are the kind of stories I get, you know, after the fact. But um, let's see, I didn't know it. You know, I thought I was fine. <laughs> Just fine. Leave me alone. I'm having a good time. Anyway, um, finally, I ended up doing a geographic and coming down to uh, Southern California, got my own place. I didn't have any friends down here. I just had family and I got my apartment and that and by that time it was magnums of Robert Mondavi. And that's when I noticed I was having a problem because those magnums of Robert Mondavi were having to be replaced every day. And I was going through a lot and I didn't realize it. And that's one thing that they say about alcoholics is that, that, um, that we, can't, we can't safely predict what's gonna happen after we have that first drink. Um, I thought I was fine. I always thought I was fine until the next morning. And it, I, you know, it seemed like just one more drink, you know, we're doing fine here. And then the next thing I know, I'm coming to, you know, just completely thrashed. And then I'd go on a health, health kick, you know, okay, health kick for a few days. Then I can't stand life without a drink, so I have to have a drink. Then I can't have just one drink. So it, I go on a run and then I finally come to and, and feel horrible. And then I 
stop for a few days and get on a health kick and I, then I can't stand life after a while and have to have to have some relief and it was just over and over and over and over and over again and in between those times it was like playing Russian roulette you know okay I didn't die this time I didn't die this time I didn't die this time when is you know when is it gonna be my my uh, my bullet like my grandson the bullet came um, finally January 1989 I don't know how much longer I'm supposed to talk okay John January of 89 um, I was uh, I was in AA I actually uh, went to AA for 90 days and um, I wasn't very good about it because I, 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 let's go back. I went to AA for two weeks and then I met a guy who said, don't worry about it. You don't have to go to meetings. I'll keep you sober. <laughs> so watch out for those kind of guys. If anybody's doing that. Yeah, just a, just a little tip. Um, he, I affectionately refer to him as Brain Dead Dave. That was apparently his reputation at the club, but they didn't want to scare the newcomer maybe, and tell me. Anyway, he, uh, I, you know, I, 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 a few a few weeks later, after I hadn't gone to meetings, um, I. Uh, I was at work and I, I did have a high powered job. I was handling a huge take, a corporate takeover at work. I was in investor relations with a public relations firm. And, um, and I'm, I've got Disney on one hand and I've got Polaroid on the other hand. And I'm putting together these press releases um, to get into Wall Street before Wall Street opens in New York. and. Um, my stupid brain dead Dave accused me of having an affair with my boss in, instead of actually being there to do these press releases. And I'm like, oh, I can't do you. Get out of my life. And so I got rid of him. So now I've gotten rid of him. And Polaroid actually thwarts the corporate takeover from Disney. And um, and we're all going to celebrate, but I can't celebrate because if I celebrate, I'll drink and I can't drink because if I drink, I'm going to die. So I go home and I get home and I'm like, now what am I going to do? My daughter calls me, the same daughter who has the son that's dying. She calls me and says she's staying in Santa Monica at work with her girlfriend and they're going out. So there I am by myself. I want to drink so bad I could scream. I hadn't had a drink for 90 days, hadn't gone to a meeting, you know, it was just me with me. <laughs> and uh, and I, I go, okay, I get in the car and I start going to the liquor store. I'm just gonna get a pint. That'll stop me in time, right? So I just get a pint, I'll be okay. And I start going to the liquor store down the hill and but if I drink again, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna start the same cycle over again. Turn the car around, start going back home. 
But if I if I if if I can't, I can't stand life without a drink, I just can't. And so I turn the car around, go back down to the liquor store. If you drink again, you're going to die. So I turn the car back around. I can't stand life without a drink. Back and forth, back and forth. I can't stand life without a drink. But if I drink again, I'm going to die. The alcoholic dilemma is what they call it. And I was experiencing it. The drink one that night. I got that pint, I finished that pint, and after I finished that pint, I thought, hmm, I wonder what Brain Dead Dave's doing. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I call up Brain Dead Dave, he sounds great. What are you doing? Oh, I'm drinking margaritas, come on over. So I go over to Brain Dead Dave's, I end up having a 32 ounce margarita, and uh, and and he uh, and I go. I finished that, and I said, "Okay, let's go back to my place. There's no booze at my place. I, you know, we got to control our drinking, don't you know?" And um, and so I go back to my place. The last thing I remember, I'm looking at the full moon with brain dead Dave. Everything's hunky dory. The full moon is beautiful. The next thing I know, I come to out of a blackout. Brain dead Dave, all 210 pounds of him is sitting on me. I'm flat on the bed. He's got his knees pinned down my, pinning down my arms. His veins and eyes are popping out of his face and, and he's choking me with all of his might, screaming, tell me you love me. And I'm like, holy shit. I come to the next morning, obviously. He didn't choke me to death, but I was completely black and bru bru bruised. And I was also stuck to the pillow because apparently I'd been thrown into the dresser as well. I don't know what, he was crazy. And so I called a, a, a hotline and I asked them to come and get him. And the guy says, well, okay, um, what about you? And I said, I'm not that bad. <laughs> and he said, well, do you think you could come down anyway? And for some reason, that day, God intervened with me and said yes to going into rehab. And I just told you the story about when I was in rehab and I still was in denial the first week, but I finally, finally, finally surrendered to the truth which is that I am indeed an alcoholic and that I cannot manage my own life and that is step one I am powerless over my alcoholism and my life is unmanageable by me and you know step two is right there right behind it telling me that if that I need to come to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. Oh, sanity. Okay, so that means I'm not sane, right? So <laughs> I have to have a power greater than myself. Well, at first, of course, it's the group of Alcoholics Anonymous and my sponsor that I chose that are, my, that are powers greater than myself until I can get 
either introduced or reintroduced to a power greater than myself. I was desperate to find a power greater than myself that was that actually worked because until I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I refer to it as a Santa Claus God. <laughs> Funny that it's almost Christmas. A Santa Claus God that would, you know, grant me my wishes. And in my work in Alcoholics Anonymous, I found that it was a relationship with a power greater than myself that I needed, one that I ha could have total faith in that was going to give me the strength, power, courage, and love that I needed to do this one day at a time. And that was going to have to be through 100% surrender. Surrender my will and my life, everything, to the care of this higher power that I didn't quite understand yet but I was so desperate, I took that leap. I took that leap. And if you're on the fence wondering, oh, what's it gonna be like? For me, it was like jumping off the cliffs in, in uh, Acapulco. Um, you just, do you wanna do it or not? Do you wanna do it or not? Are you willing to go to any lengths to stay sober one day at a time. I sure hope you are, because there's a lot of sad souls out there who are not willing and they don't need to. They don't need to be unwilling. All they need to do is surrender. I love my life in Alcoholics Anonymous. I love my husband who I met in Alcoholics Anonymous. I wasn't looking for a boyfriend, not after Brain Dead Dave. <laughs> I had a, had a, obviously a broken picker. I was honest enough with myself about that. But we went to meetings together and we became friends. And then we came, became lovers. And he's a wonderful man. He's a wonderful man, and we have a great, great family because of Alcoholics Anonymous is in the middle. God is in the middle, and our, our willingness to do whatever it takes. I sponsor lots of ladies. He sponsors lots of men. You know, we work with, with other alcoholics all day long, you know. Right now, with the, all the grief that's going on, I've got all my ladies calling me, and you know, we talk about we talk about my grief, you know, but we also talk about the program, and how are they doing, and what meeting are they going to, and how did you like the meeting you went to, and tell me what you learned today, and tell me what you gave away today. I love this life. I wouldn't change this life for anything, and I don't know what time it is, but I think it's I think it's close to time. I love my life in Alcoholics Anonymous. You've given me my kids, you've given me my grandkids, you've given me my husband and my stepkids, and another another grandkid that's coming along, and um, and a, so many friends. You can't believe it. I'll never forget when I was brand new and they 
somebody got up on the podium and was talking about all the friendships that they had in AA. And I sat there in my chair and I was looking down and I thought, I don't even know how to be a friend. That's changed. Thanks for Alcoholics Anonymous and thank you for keeping me sober tonight. Thank you. I'm Les Alcoholic. Let's give Lynn and Bob a hand for a great meeting. Yeah. We give, how about giving Carlo a hand for a great Carlo. chef and Fernando for setting things up and, right and everybody there. else that's at the service here. We really appreciate it. Uh, I'm your grapevine rep. <clears throat> meeting in a print. When you're stuck on stupid, all you got to do is pull over, read a story. It'll, it'll straighten you out for a minute, and that's all we need sometimes, you know. We could do this together. This one here is pretty good here. It's just a special edition. Carrying the message down and out in, in D.C. So what we do here is we give them out, and, uh, and then you read them, and then you bring them back so we can circulate them. And uh, if, you can maybe get a subscription and give it to the... <clears throat> recovery house or hospital, send it to somebody in prison, you know, be of service to somebody else. So is there anybody up here want to come up and get this one down and out in DC? Nobody wants to take a free gift here? Come on, come get it. Well, he'll use it for that grapevine meeting he has. So, by the way, I want to plug my meeting. It's Thursday. <laughs> it's Thursday at 6, and it's called Heard It Through the Grapevine. So we'll read a story, and then we'll talk about it. I changed it from 5 to 6 because more people show up at 6. All anyway, right. um, thank you. Okay, thanks. It's at, um, oh, yeah, that, uh, uh, um, Foothill Vineyard Church on the corner of Foothill and San Dimas Avenue. All right. Yeah. Okay. Now, we need a lot of help cleaning up afterwards, help, helping Fernando take the stuff to the truck. And uh, Tina, come on up here and we'll get, pull these tickets. There she is. Thank you for supporting our, uh, our raffle. We got a vintage. What do we got here? Okay, we got a, a vintage AA comes of age and the experience, strength, and hope. These are all the old stories from the first edition, second, and third edition. If you have a fourth edition, then you have all the stories that were ever written. And um, Joe's Woes is a good one. He was a sick guy. Go. Let's see. The first number is 7906. Come on, Brandon. You can do it. I'm a loser. 7906. <laughs> no, you're a winner. Come on, kid. Next time. Next time, Brandon. Are we going to pull another one? 7906. The, the, those are the last numbers. There's four tickets right there, Bob. Oh, oh, we, it's probably. Oh, 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 oh. Come on, birthday girl. Mike had to get involved there. 
Which one do you want? The AA comes of age or the experience, strength, and hope? Oh my goodness. The experience, strength, and hope. Good choice. All right. Okay. The next number is 7927. Seven nine two seven. Right here, Fernando's got it. Wow! Yeah. And he only got four tickets. Good for you. Oh, eight tickets. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. And you know what? We have a phone list right there. If you want to be of service, you can call us or call one of the um, one of the core members, or just come and you know bring something and show up and get active. You know. Hold on to your seat. <laughs> uh, where's per Pearl? Come up here and read the promises for us. Praise out of here. Farmy, come on. Come on. I'm LaQuisha now. I don't care. He's the only one that remembers you 47 years ago. Come on. Come on, come on. Here we go. I'm an alcoholic and I'm Pearl. Hi, Pearl. These are the promises. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we can't do for ourselves, could not do for ourselves. Are those are extravagant uh, promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They, okay, they will always materialize if we work for them. Now, after a moment of silence for the alcoholic and the children that are caught, uh, caught in the crossfire, um, will you please join me, I'm gonna say, in the serenity prayer. Our Father, our Father, Lord in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. God Amen. grant me the serenity. <laughs> 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 <laughs>